Hey guys, welcome to the Blind Spot podcast, where high schoolers talk about the topics that are glossed over in society. My name is Lauren. I'm a junior, and I'm one of the hosts. My name is Raymond. I'm also a junior, and I'm also a host. Hi, I'm Alyssa, and I'm a junior, and also one of the hosts. Hi, I'm Evelyn. I'm a junior, and I'm a guest. Hi, my name is Kira. I'm a freshman, and I'm also one of the guests. So recently, we had the election on November 3rd, um, and it has been one of the most anticipated elections ever. What was it like for you guys to, like, just keeping up with the journal flow and the events of this year's election? It was pretty interesting. I think it was a bit nerve-wracking at the same time because I had so many hopes for this election and seeing the stakes become equal at some point just very much worried me a bit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's been a lot of tension. Um, like it, everybody is just on the edge kind of about it. And especially this year with the pandemic and all the events really of this year, it's, it's been a very wild ride. And then the election is kind of here to just top it off. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of my family friends were actually betting on who, like, who would win. And there were uh, five um, adults and men. They, one betted that Biden would win and then four betted that Trump would win. Um, some were, like, even though some were Biden supporters, they were, like, like um, hesitant or discouraged and they actually betted that Trump would win but seeing how as elections turned out um Biden won and they bet you know how much they bet they bet a hundred dollars yo that guy who bet on Biden is rolling yeah so he got four hundred dollars from all of the other guys (laughs) and it's insane It's, it's like watching a football game Dang, this man took like the best odds. Yeah, he, he got did. the best reward. What the heck? A hundred dollars? Secretly from the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy. You think it would be more like anxiety inducing for that one guy just oh. waiting for like oh Pennsylvania god. and Nevada to come out or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I think the whole thing, the reason why it was so scary was because of the mail-in ballots and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the whole voting and counting process. Um, yeah, that's true. I I mean, I feel like cause on day one, a lot of the states couldn't, you know, look at the mail-in ballots or whatever. So... Mm-hmm. Very early on, it looked like Trump was leading by like an absolute metric ton, and then the mail-in ballots started creeping in, and it was like, okay, so this is a race now. Yeah, yeah. I think part of it was kind of expected because Republicans are known to vote on election day, um, whereas Democrats have had a history of uh, mailing in their ballots, and I think that was like especially even more true this year since the pandemic's going on and more people want to mail in. Yeah. 
and I, I do think that with everything that <clears throat> recently happened this year, like, um, you know, the pandemic, the racial tensions, the, um, all of politics, I just think that um, when Trump believed he had a lead at first and then that lead flipped, it the whole situation changed and the whole reaction of each administration just really showed whether it was humility or pride or it was just like hurt or hope. So I just really think that that really shined throughout this. Yeah. I mean, like the, the states affected by mail-in ballots the most were what Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia. Um, I know Arizona was pretty slow, but I'm not sure if that was about mail-in. I don't know about them either, but um, what surprised me the most was like Pennsylvania was at this ve like very end, um, like chunk of mail-in ballots at the at, like to nearing the end of the election, and everybody kind of anticipated that it was going to be Biden's win for Pennsylvania. What surprised me the most was that Georgia, um, a red state, had turned blue. I don't think anybody anticipated that the race would actually make a uh, red state go blue because they're known to be very, um, what, stubborn on whatever stance they have, you know? Yeah. And I think also with Arizona, Arizona was a red state before. Yeah, and it was just um, in very, like, it made me hopeful to see, not only because it became blue, I'm not into that red states, blue states thing, but mm -hmm. more to see that, like I was hearing over the news one time, probably on CNN News, um, one of the spokesmen, spokesperson was, spokespeople were saying that a lot more Latinos or Latinos voted this time. Mm -hmm. And that just gave me a bit of a sense of hope knowing that my community um, was able to vote more in that they were able to share their voice and share their concerns through their ballot. That's right. There are a lot of minority voter turnouts this year. That's the main reason why America was able to uh, maintain a democracy. So a lot of people were talking about how success this year isn't owed towards uh, Biden. It's owed towards the minorities who are able to flip this whole race. You know what I mean? But then the whole thing, it was so, how to put it, nerve-wracking. Every, like, throughout the entire week of, of November 3rd, we would just keep alerting each other, telling which states went blue, which states are leaning red, leaning blue. And it was, it was such a race, you know what I mean? Very, um, like, stressful, I guess. Oh, yeah. I was, like really anxious the whole time because like especially on Tuesday night I remember like Raymond and I were calling each other and we would like update each other like every second um about like the numbers and stuff and it was kind of weird because I've never paid attention to an election this much I mean it's my first time paying attention to like watching the numbers and stuff so yeah it was kind of weird and it, I found it pretty hard to focus on like anything else. Like even, you know, like on Wednesday 
and Thursday the next couple of days at school, I was just like, oh, my thoughts are on the election and I can't focus on anything, you know? Yeah. Mm. I mean, like, I my eyes were glued on the news for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. I would sit on the couch and bring my laptop and as I did my work, the news was behind it. Um, and I didn't realize how much of a toll it took on my mental health. Mm-hmm. Until like a few days later and I was just like, I just literally like felt this kind of like relief yeah like it was just crazy like mm-hmm. uh during the watching the election I just like turned away from it I was like I'm not watching the news anymore because it was so unhealthy to see all these things like oh Trump administration declares this you know they're going to file lawsuits on the state um basically just them criticizing the democracy of America it was just very unhealthy for me personally to see so I just took a step away from the news until like Saturday Mm -hmm. yeah I mean the whole reason why it took so long for them to count the votes was um I listened to a podcast on the Wall Street Journal and it was titled um something along the lines of uh what was it um inside Pennsylvania's vote count And so basically what they do is like they go through like a tour of the ballot counting place and they talk about how they count everyone. They flat like line the ballots out flat and they put it in stacks and then they transfer that to another room to get it scanned. And throughout the entire process, there's like another officer or guard guiding and watching throughout the entire process so that way it's not rigged. Um, but the biggest takeaway was that no matter what parties people came from, they came here to fairly execute the process. And there was no talk of politics. And there was this just un- like unison like agreement to get the ballots counted and see the results for themselves. Um, one thing to note is that the reason why it took so long was because Pennsylvania was not um, allowed to count the votes until election day, even though they had um, a lot of them stored in another room. So, which kind of, yeah, gave the whole tension and nervousness, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the thing about Pennsylvania is that I remember I kept, like this is the election that I literally kept talking to my friends about. I'd be in group chats where it was like, did you see the news? Like, did you see, you know, Trump won this, Biden won that? And I was talking to a certain group and I kept mentioning Pennsylvania every once in a while. And I remember um, the people kept saying, um, oh, we already know Trump's going to win that state, right? But I just kept having my eye on it because I just like, I don't know, it just gave me a feeling because of everything that was going on. And it was a shocker to see how much of a decline the votes went for Trump's benefit in terms for Biden benefit, you know? Um, And that way that the votes and how it affects like the projected winner can easily, not easily, but can change like that just by the counting of ballots. It's such a nerve wracking thing because like you can look at the other states that look blue, but turn red. That's the, that's the thing I had like that, like this state mm-hmm. turned me like 
what if that state goes from blue to red? So it was very nerve wracking just to see that change. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's very scary because this was one of the elections that comes down to those swing states where the ballots were being counted like pretty late, like days after they were still being counted and results were still coming in. Um, and that I think in such a high stakes election where people were really like wanting uh, one result or the other, it was just difficult to watch like as a whole country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as well with like the electoral college and everything, instead of it being one race, it's like 50 different races. You have to keep track of every single one and they're different numbers. And whenever you check back, it's like, did this number change or is my memory failing me right now? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing I don't understand about the whole process was the, were the pro- protests to stop the counting, which doesn't make sense in my opinion um the numbers aren't counted they're they're if if they stop the whole process in the middle the electoral college can't make a decision meaning that america's like citizens or whatever morals it stands for they don't get counted you know what i mean so i don't i don't know those those protests to stop the count or just generally opposing um, the fairness of the election. It was very confusing in my uh, eyes. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. I actually saw some Trump supporters, um, like a rally in my city, kind of. Um, It was like a couple days ago and I drove past them. Um, and they were kind of just like running around an intersection. So like the four, you know, like the four crosswalks of an intersection. And I remember one of them was holding up a sign and it was like, no voter fraud in like bright red. And I was like, ugh, face palm. And it's like really weird though. Like I've never, I haven't heard any news of like Republicans, you know, um, like rioting or causing violence. I don't know if you guys have heard any. No, I have not. I haven't heard any. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like on social media, I've seen things like that and they're kind of like proud for not being violent and they're comparing it to like other protests that have happened, like um, the Black Lives Matter one that happened um, and is still happening now. Mm-hmm. But um, they're comparing it to like those riots and the, like the thing that's so frustrating is that it's not like Donald Trump died mm-hmm. it's not like he was murdered or anything because of the color of his skin so like they're completely um, different and I, I don't know yeah it's just frustrating <laughs> yeah relating to that I legit saw a TikTok that talked about what you were talking about like the whole mm-hmm. why Republicans aren't protesting or burning down buildings and stuff like that this one person was saying the reasons why um like violent republicans aren't prevalent right now after election results is because they know that biden's policies or whatever he stands for they don't affect the quality of life of republicans or anybody You know, they know that like Republicans know that it's not as much of a threat 
as it is like with the whole Black Lives Matter reform and whatever, the reason why people do it, you know? Uh, and it, this kind of like pointed, but the TikTok referred to the reason why people, the Republicans behave the way they did was because they were empowered by the actions of Donald Trump, basically. They were empowered oh. by the president. So it's like they knew what they were doing wrong, yet they still did it, you know, which is kind of questionable um, in a sense. You know, I just think if it's like, you know, when a child sees, and I'm not calling anybody a child, but I'm just making this reference. But you know, when you see a child and you <laughs> see those funny videos of when a child curses, and the parents is like the parents are like oh, the child cursed and it's like wait but I curse yeah. everyone you know they hear me say that so it's like what you see someone in a higher position of you do it kind of makes you feel like it's okay sometimes and I I've been a bit uh, I'll own up to this but I've been a bit of a I'm a bit responsible like I've done that before. Like I sometimes I would think it's okay to curse because I saw people older than me curse. But I just think even though you know it's wrong and you see someone do it, it's like this thing in your head that's like, oh, then it's okay to do that. That's what I feel like kind of happened. I can't speak for their behalf, but that's what I feel like like what happened for a lot of these diehard supporters that went out there and did violent things in the name of um, voter fraud you know like fighting for something that's not like fighting against something that's not even there yeah i agree there's i feel like throughout the last four years the republican party has kind of always kept trying to justify the actions of the president and of a lot of other high officials and like no matter what they did or what they said they'd find some way to kind of stand behind it um, and like change whatever they say so that it fits that narrative. Um, and, and that's been hard for a lot of people to watch. Yeah, I think this, this election, um, uh, there is one person and I saw they, they quoted this very well. Um, one of the spokespeople from CNN, as you can tell, I watch a bit of CNN. I literally, CNN is my news channel that I did not turn on for days at a time. But they they were saying that like, for a lot of people, this felt like an election, not only of policies, but of morals. Um, and just really seeing like, what is America gonna choose now that they know what the president has done? You know, and, and to see what happened and to really like fully comprehend that people have conflicting views it's one thing nobody's the same and i say this to a lot of people if we were all the same the world would be boring because we're different we're unique we have our own mindsets we grew up differently and that's amazing but i just think of like the animosity that built between groups you know like, if you look 20 years back, was there this same animosity between Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, as there is today? Like, you know, maybe new policies, more equality was brought in, mm -hmm. but the tensions that were risen and the hatred that just kind of plagued the people, 
it just makes me sad to see, you know, Democrats and Republicans out on the streets shouting at each other and spitting on each other's faces. It's like, you're an American at the end of the day, both of you, if you really want to bring it down to what term you are. And we're all human at the end of the day. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, where you come from. But I just think that now that the titles are being put on and now that the names are being called, like you're a conservative, you're a liberal, you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, it's kind of made this, you know, rift. polarized group. Yeah. And I just don't think that's healthy, in mm. my opinion. That's, that's like 100% true. I think it's also because a lot of people don't realize that they're an American, you know, they're not, they're part of a group or a community. And they usually stand for a position mostly to benefit themselves sometimes. Um, I think those are the, those kinds of reasons kind of like ruin any uh, unification that the morals of America, you know, the foundations of America were trying to bring together, um, especially because America is very diverse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I think like... Um, misinformation and like fake news all of that has gotten like really bad and depending on what side of the aisle you stand on you you see what's going on in your country differently which is a really big problem because like different news channels will tell it different ways so you don't really know what's going on all the time and if you're right or you're wrong and you kind of have to keep switching between sources to get some idea of of where your country is going, which is, it's a really difficult position to be in as a citizen. Yeah. That's true. AOC, I remember AOC was speaking about news or something. She was like, the news are, like, if you want to keep up with the news, you need to learn how to maintain the storyline. Because the news is their news stations are able to take the facts of whatever happened and alter the the context and so it would be like um tainting an image or benefiting somebody so it depends it all depends on um how many sources you use to check your credibility and knowledge of the situation so i was like that is so difficult for the you know, the general population to keep up with all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The Democratic Party or the Liberals themselves are arguing as to whether or not Biden should be congratulated or not. A lot of people are saying we are celebrating not the success of Biden, but the defeat of Donald Trump, which there is a difference. And a lot of young people don't like uh, Joe Biden which um, we, we don't of, well, uh, often talk about as to why people don't like him. Um, do you guys know why or what are the main factors as to why? Um, well, I think like one thing is um, what he did as a senator. Um, there was like, there were like a couple of things, but um, one big thing was like the 1994 crime bill, um, which Biden mostly wrote. And it was like supposed to address the, the rising violent crime in America, but um, it kind of 
end up just like um, causing mass incarceration, especially in um, colored communities and like brown and black communities. Um, Cause there was, it, those communities were like really over policed. So yeah. And then also another thing about Biden is that he is not very progressive, which is a lot of um, what the younger Democrats want to see. Um, so he's like not as progressive as the other candidates. Like he doesn't support defunding the police. Um, he also doesn't support like Medicare for all. Um, he does want um, to make Obamacare more affordable, but it's not like, um, it's not like as progressive as people want them to be. And I feel like a lot of people also don't like um, Kamala Harris. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's also, um, she's been under fire too because she's made some controversial decisions as the Attorney General of California um, that has to do with prison reform. And she's said to have like a really aggressive criminal justice plan, which also had a negative effect on minorities in particular. And I think that's one reason that the, a lot of people just don't want her to be vice president. I don't think it stopped anyone from really voting against Biden or a very, very few people because like, it's um, th there's just a lot of polarization. Like you either really like one candidate or you don't. And that's kind of what the Biden campaign has been about this whole time. But yeah, she she's not the most popular either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like, because um, I feel like the Democratic Party is more or less split into two groups you have the super progressives like bernie sanders and aoc and they have the more mild ones like biden and i feel like as a super progressive you would still advocate for biden even if he wasn't going up against trump because biden's policies are what you need to become super progressive because like you can't jump from now to being like like healthcare for all you need like the affordable care act there first and then you can develop into healthcare for all it's like that saying learn how to walk before you learn how to run yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah like uh I, I very ironic i was just told that today by someone but I just think that it's such a everybody's excited you know everybody's excited to just like let's do this let's do all these new policies that you know are going to benefit the people right and it's like skipping a step on the ladder you know take one step at a time one move at a time do the next right thing and we get so excited and antsy to um cause so much change which is not a bad thing but it, I think it's the way we go at it and I think it's the way that the super progressives saw how Biden and Harris would have gone at it or would go at it um that kind of would cause them to pull back 
that's just this is just my theory of it um not theory but my idea of it it's just what I'm thinking because I really I really can't say I really can't speak for them because I personally am not like I am a bit of a progressive but not like as like hardcore like a defund the police status or you know all these things um because I have my beliefs too but I just think that it's so important that we take this um we just kind of unite as the people of America and just be willing to take these steps before we start running before we really start shooting for a better future really just start looking at now and how we can improve in this moment and I think another reason why they chose Biden as the Democratic nominee this year was to kind of swing voters who were in the middle because they just really wanted this victory more than any policy. Um, you know, like even progressives, they're going to vote for Biden and they know that because it's still a step in the right direction, but they just wanted someone who was gonna be able to appeal to people in the middle and even some conservatives, right? So that they could win this election. So let's go into a time machine, okay? And go back to when we're still electing a Democratic nominee. Who would you have picked? Like other than Biden? Because oh, it can it can be Biden. Okay. But so if it could be anybody. For my family personally, I, I do remember <laughs> they were over the moon to hear that Biden was running. Because I remember giving them the news about it. And I think it's just because he was the vice president of Barack Obama right um that was a very special thing to us that was a very special election it, it's just that hype behind biden that he was the president he was the vice president of obama that really helped um push him forward for the people who were undecisive um i think i would have chosen um honestly to be frank when i go to a time machine before the whole like uh, the candidate like picking or whatever I don't know as much as I did now, but um, I think I would have probably chosen Biden again or Elizabeth Warren Warren, because a lot of people think she's cool. Hey, Bernie Sanders is pretty cool as well. Yeah, I probably would have chosen Bernie Sanders. Or I'm actually not sure because this election was kind of different in the way that Biden may have been able to win but Bernie Sanders may not have been able to win because of appeal to voters. And so, I mean, I think just because of Biden winning the election, Democrats feel like they made the right call with that. I agree too, because I know a lot of people who are pretty uh, left and liberal and they want Sanders, um, Sanders policy um, but the when I listen to them, it sounds very ideal and not realistic, especially for whatever position America is in right now. It's, it's kind of America is kind of uh, in shambles and disoriented. And now we kind of have to fix that instead of re renewing everything at this point. Because it's going to take a lot of money, time, and effort, and um, change doesn't happen overnight. It happens 
a over a long period of time. You know what I mean? I think yeah, to go from a very divisive um, administration and like to um, a very progressive administration would be a very far jump. And I think a lot of people would not be comfortable with that because of everything that we've gone through in the past four years. So yeah, I just, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense if the Democratic Party had chosen someone like Sanders to um, represent them in the election. I'm not sure who I would pick as my Democratic nominee. Yeah, I think Sanders, I think a lot of, the, the biggest thing for me that I was really hearing about him um, was this term that he was called, and it was a socialist. You know, mm. like, oh, Sanders is a socialist, you know? And I was like, is he? You know, like, it, it, and especially for, like, when socialism is brought up, you know, it's these, the unknown. It's the unknown that's put in people's faces. Like, wait, what is socialism, you know? Like, like a lot cool. of people think that socialism is, um, like, the step before communism. Yeah. That's why they're yeah, so scared of it. Yeah, very common stereotype. Mm -hmm. I think we need to educate people more on political policies and um, and parties, just so that they get an idea. And like, th there's just a lot of misinformation. It always goes back to that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Last year, I remember learning about French socialism and AP Euro. Um, and uh, the whole spread towards communism. And I kind of get why people would be scared of the term, but overall it's just, um, in, in my eyes, socialism is kind of like, how do I put it? Benefiting and putting importance and value in the community before an individual, you know what I mean? Which in America, which is a very capitalist nation, it's a, it's a very big jump from being um, individualistic to, you know, community-based, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think also that um, the, it, it's just like, when you think of socialism, you're like, oh my gosh, now it's like, it's like comparing it to capitalism. Sometimes not saying that socialism is the best or capitalism was the worst because, you know, we're not going to get into the conversation right now. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, this country, you know, was literally, if you compare it like a child, like Bristol does in class, um, if you compare it like, oh, when it was growing up, right? Um, the way it grew up capitalistic, like the way it was like, it was just so focused on benefiting those who benefit the country the most you know and not looking at the people as a whole just kind of looking at, at them in section groups and I think then moving on to something in a more progressive status like in a more um you know everybody should be looked at status um not saying that progressive status is the same as that because I still have to do my research on it but I just think that it was such a shift that people got scared and people backed away from it and people were like no that's too much you know like um that's too big of a step that's like skipping a step on the stair 
So I just think that with Biden now, as we were talking about before, it's going to be a nice stepping stool. It's going to be a nice way to kind of lift us up. And when we get there with this presidency, maybe we can see how much more we can do to support the people and not just capitalistic views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like a major problem with the idea of capitalism, especially in this country, is that vulnerable populations are often, they're left out a lot and it makes them even more vulnerable. And because we're like experiencing so many problems with systemic racism and, you know, everything that we're seeing, it's like all of these things are related. So like, we definitely need to find a balance between whatever um, positions we're going to take as a country, but um, we we can't always just stick to the same things if we know that people are being failed by their government. That's true. I think a lot of people, the reason why they're skeptical about the outcomes are, it's like, they, they're like reminding everybody that we still need to see the changes that Biden, Biden, the Biden campaign will implement you know what I mean so we still don't have a full grasp as to um, what America's recovery would look like um I mean do you, we, yeah we sorry. do know generally what mm-hmm. he'll do when he gets into office mm-hmm. like he'll go back into the Paris climate accord he will his main goal will be to try to control COVID he'll try to expand um Obamacare and things like that but beyond that, like two years from now, we really don't know. I mean, how different do you think it would be if let's say like Bernie Sanders was president two years from now? I mean, how much impact would a more left-leaning president actually make on America? I think there would be riots and violence everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hold on. I just also think that um, when it it comes to a president, I was going to say this before, like a minute before, but there was a truck outside, so it was very loud. But I just think that having a president, um, it kind of like when people are like, oh, the president's left-leaning, oh, the president's right-leaning, you know? Um, Or as another analogy, it's like top, uh, like up and down like all these analogies and all these ways to describe a president, I just feel like whether it's left-leaning, right-leaning, top, um, I just think that if someone's in like the middle, you know, where they can be a moderator for all ends and be able to compromise and really just bring unity, I just think that that's what this, in my opinion, from what like I've seen, it's just what this country kind of needs. Like, you know, someone to be able to, like, have peaceful discussions with each side and each belief and um, do their best to see how they can be, like, bring a sufficient plan to the table that's not just solely benefiting the left or solely benefiting the right, but being able to, like, connect. Yeah, like a leader. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, one of the main differences between like the Trump and Biden campaign is kind 
kind of like the way that they talk to us. And you know, like Trump is always saying like, oh, make America great again. And kind of a lot of just like talking badly about Biden um, and like saying that um, Biden's America will be dangerous and like our economy will decline or something like that. Um, and just like talking badly about the radical left or something. But I feel like in he's not trying to like encourage people to try to like, in the, you know, build each other up and um, make America like a better country together. Um, but yeah, like what I've learned from Biden um, is like to try to get along with Republicans and kind of try to listen to what they want to say. And I think that what Biden has been saying lately, um, which is to unite America, um, um, it's a little hard because um, it's a little difficult to get along with the other side. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm not trying to say that we should ignore racism or something, um, but if we aren't gonna try to understand each other, um, then I don't think we're gonna get anywhere. And that's a huge problem that we need to try to solve first. I think one thing that it's really hard to gauge or like to estimate is how much like the other person is willing to come to common ground, you know? Yeah. That's it's like true. whether you're Republican or you're Democratic or whatever you are, you don't know how much they're willing to find a compromise because you don't go holding a sign saying, I want to speak peacefully with you. Um, and a lot of people like accuse each other for being too far left or too far right. And it's really hard once you label like extreme terms on each other. But nevertheless, um, this still has to happen. You know what I mean? I agree. And I think that like with the Biden administration, um, you know, they're really emphasizing empathy. And um, it, it, you can definitely see the contrast between the two, the previous administration and now the upcoming one. Um, and it gives it gives you some optimism because you see that like there is there are still people who are making an effort to go out and try to reconnect. So even if we're at a really like pol polarized place right now, there is hope that we'll be able to come together to some degree. And I think also because we're stepping out, we're transitioning from such a polarized presidency. And I, I hate describing it like that, you know, but but just the presidency that really just separated Americans, you know, like before Trump stepped into the White House, I didn't have worries about, you know, the things I have to worry about now when it comes to racial tensions and when it comes to the color of my skin, when it comes to how I do my hair um, and just stepping out of the presidency of a man who at his rallies promoted acts of hatred without even saying burn stuff down, you know, like just just the way it, it was. Um, and I'm not saying he straight up said, do all these horrible things to people, you know, but it's just the way he'd refer to people, like the way he'd refer to all Hispanics as criminals, rapists, drug dealers, you know, all these bad things. Um, as my family would joke around, bad hombres, right? 
uh, <laughs> like just the way that it was just such a separation of groups and separation that would just cause all these rifts. And I think transitioning from that into a, a presidency of a man who actually promoted unity in America, you know, promoted um, not looking at red and blue states, not looking at Democrat, Republican, um, and just being America. So I just think that's going to be such a huge change with such a healthy change. And I honestly don't know how the people are going to react to it either. So yeah, that we have yet to see. Um, I think like since we're like 2020 has been a rough year and everybody's been so tense until up until November. Um, I think a lot of people are relieved of the stress and they'll probably think less of the whole voting system four years from now, you know, because it's going to be history. We talk about 2016 as if it was like 10 years ago and it was like the worst thing that ever happened or something like that. But like four years from now, we're not going to see 2020 as a devastating year as it is right now. So one thing I would like to pose is like, like what other efforts should we have to still like encourage like voting part voter participation and like youth po politics are you in favor of mandatory voting mm, mandatory voting if you're eligible yeah i think it should be uh i haven't thought about that one a lot but I think if we did that, um, people will be more attentive to whatever's going on. But then there are also people who think of it as a chore, you know, yeah. so. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about mandatory voting. Voting. <laughs> I just think that it's just such a subject that's like, a, you know how masks were this year? You know how people were so like, you can't force me to wear a mask. It is my free will. Yes, it's your free will. I completely agree that it is your free will. But, you know, we're kind of in the middle of a pandemic. Like, that's how I feel, like, mandatory voting would kind of be perceived as. Like, you can't force me to do this. It's my right to vote, but to not vote either. Like, at the same time, you know, it's my right to choose. So I just feel like that whole situation will come up. Um, and I, I, I just feel like it'll bring even more problems if voting was made mandatory and I feel like once again there should be another stepping stool to not immediately move into voting mandatory but there has to be something in between that that's just like to kind of present voting as a good thing instead of something that's a chore so would you keep the electoral college you know I definitely think it can improve but I do think that if it were to be removed, the denser populations of people, which are not in rural areas, but more in cities, they would be represented more through the votes, like comparing California's whopping 40 million counted people to Wyoming's very, very, um, minimal amount of people in the state I just feel like it kind of lean more towards the more populated um, states and cities being represented through an election so I feel like there has to like some once again something that can fill in that gap and can 
represent both sides even better. I, I agree that electoral and college voting is very problematic. And like a lot of the country gets upset when the someone wins the popular vote, but they don't win the electoral college vote. That creates a lot of unrest. But I think we just need to do more research on the other types of voting systems. And before we change anything major in the country, try to bring it together a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. It like the whole voting process that's a whole discussion for later you know what i mean but it's just whatever discussion we'll have or whatever vision we have of america um hopefully it'll be better than what it is now there's always room for improvement mm-hmm. that's a quote <laughs> yeah, that's always a quote i grew up with like is <laughs> i literally every time it doesn't matter if it's at a dinner table. There's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really what this um, podcast showed for me personally, that this country is better than it was 100 years ago, but it can be so much better in the next 100 years. Yeah, I feel like a lot of Americans feel like they're in a dark place right now and that the whole country is kind of in a dark place. But there, there's a lot of optimism. You know, we can. there's a lot to look forward to. And with on that final note, we are done for tonight, you know, with a better look towards on our country. Um, and we hope to leave on a optimistic tone. So, yes, thank you for listening, guys. Have a good night, good evening, good day, wherever you guys are. And good morning if you're a madman. Yeah. <laughs> Middle of yeah. the you're mm-hmm. like me. <laughs> So yeah, thank you. And everybody say bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yay.